for the Athletic Podcast Network. This is The Update. I'm Adam Copeland. On today's show, we'll talk to Ken Rosenthal, the senior baseball writer for The Athletic, about last week's Hall of Fame vote that ended the stint by the Baseball Writers Association to put in Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens and even Kurt Schilling into the Hall of Fame this year. David Ortiz, despite having a positive test on his record, will be the only player inducted in 2022. We've got questions about that, as well as the transparency of the Baseball Writers Association of America when filling out their ballots. All things we can talk about with Ken Rosenthal, who joins me next. Today is Monday, January 31st. It's a pleasure to welcome to the podcast for the first time, Ken Rosenthal. He's, of course, a senior baseball writer for The Athletic. Ken, what's going on, man? How are you? Good, Adam. How you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, I, I think I'd be doing better if Barry Bonds had gotten into the Hall of Fame last week. But uh, uh, here we are. It's been 10 years of this here in San Francisco for me. And what was your reaction to that? Clemens and Bonds not getting in. Did, did you have the frustration? Were you upset, disappointed? Maybe you were thrilled by it. Uh, what was your take on the Hall of Fame vote this year? I would say not the least bit surprised. And if anything, I was a little taken aback that the reaction was as strong as it was. But of course, maybe I shouldn't have been taken aback. This was the 10th and final year he was on the BBWAA ballot. Now, the first few years, I didn't vote for him. But then it occurred to me that there were other players who had used PEDs, or at least were strongly suspected of using PEDs already in the hall. And at that point, I thought, well, I don't know how we can differentiate between what those guys did and what Bonds and Clemens might have done. So I did start voting for them. Now, that said, I didn't vote for Sammy Sosa. I don't vote for Alex Rodriguez and Manny Ramirez. And Adam, I know there are Giants fans out there and Barry Bonds fans out there who are extremely frustrated with this. And I totally understand it. And I did vote for him. Okay. But I also understand the other side. The idea that this is not a right to get into the Hall of Fame. It's a privilege. And this notion that the museum can't be the museum without Barry Bonds as an inductee, that part, that argument to me is absurd. Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, they are in the museum. They are players whose accomplishments are reflected and the context of them is reflected too. What they are not are honorees in the gallery where the Hall of Fame plaques are. Now, obviously, sheer statistics, they clearly belong. It's not even a question. We all know that. But it comes down to where you stand on the side of the PED question. And I must say, I understand both sides of the argument. I've been on both sides of the argument. And the only thing that bothers me, Adam, is when people say, I'm right, that guy's wrong, and that's that. This is a little bit more gray than black and white. And I just ask people to consider the other arguments here. And I understand all the arguments for Barry. I've made quite a few of them myself and Roger. But at the same time, you're going to have people who don't believe that a Hall of Fame player should be accused of things that they were accused of. That is probably the easiest way to put it. And you know what's sort of disappointing? And I was almost disappointed in myself about this because we used this opportunity to, and I don't want to disparage David Ortiz's career or, or say that he doesn't deserve to be in first ballot, but I think a lot of people looked at this vote and said, well, if David Ortiz is going in, how could you leave Barry Bonds out? David Ortiz absolutely deserves to be in, but then there's the the notion of the 100 players that tested positive, and he's denied it, and we just sort of went with it. Where do you come down on that argument? Because I, I do believe David Ortiz is a Hall of Famer. Well, I voted for Ortiz as well, and... Certainly, I understand the question surrounding him. And I had somebody yesterday, a guy who has represented players over the years, who told me, what you guys did, the BBWAA, is a total embarrassment. Everyone knows Ortiz used, and 
he's no different than Bonds and Clemens, and yet he's in and they're not. Well, this notion that everyone knows they use, to me, there has to be some standard of proof. You flunk a drug test, you get suspended by baseball, ah, that's proof. Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens, there is certainly a lot written, a lot of circumstantial evidence. A reasonable person, I believe, can draw the conclusion that they use PEDs, even if they were never found guilty by a court of law. At the same time, someone like David Ortiz, his one negative, one known negative, is a positive test that was and is in dispute. No one really knows in the 2003 testing what was real and what was not, what should have been considered by our current standards a positive and what was a false positive, what was a positive for something that was later not perhaps illegal. There are all kinds of issues with that test. Now, does that convince me that David Ortiz never used PEDs? No, it does not convince me. But at the same time, you have to apply a certain standard. This isn't Twitter, where you can just throw out crap and say, ah, he did it. No. <laughs> As a Hall of Fame voter, I would hope you're taking it a little bit more seriously than that and exercising a little bit more judgment. What would you say to fans who, who sort of lump, because I've seen this a bunch, and, and this comes up every year when, when you start leaving potential steroid users or guys who we know used out of the Hall of Fame. What would you say to fans who lump Pete Rose into this argument? For me, it's an apples and oranges debate. It's, yes. it's not really even the same thing. But where do you come down on that? I'm with you. Apples and oranges. He violated the cardinal sin. The one thing that is known. Now, the one argument you can make for Bonds and Clemens, which I think actually is somewhat of a powerful argument, that was the culture of the game at the time. There were no penalties in place. It was something that was probably believed to be not good by a lot of people, but at the same time, there was no clear standard. With Rose, there was a clear standard, and he violated that standard. He lied about it, and then it all came out, of course. So I have no problem with him not being on the ballot. I'd like to see him in, frankly. I think he deserves to be in, but it's the same thing. He can be in the Hall of Fame. His accomplishments can be noted in the Hall of Fame without him being honored by the Hall of Fame, and that's where he is right now. I think it comes off as a little bit crude, but they've always made the statement lifetime ban. I've always thought maybe maybe beyond his life he should be put in, but he, he shouldn't see himself go in as my Pete Rose take. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about that one. To me, if if the standard is the standard, then he should never go in. But at the same time, it's a tough question. I, I mean, you want to take this to another element. Baseball now has gambling ties, right? Contracts with gambling companies. Now, I know it's different because he bet on baseball, but if you want to note a little bit of hypocrisy there, you could certainly note a little bit of hypocrisy there. And that kind of is where it is. Now, the one thing I want to note also, and this is important and it often gets lost and it came up on our YouTube show the other day, the day that the Hall of Fame was announced, the inductee was announced, David Ortiz. I asked Dustin Pedroia about Manny Ramirez. I said, okay, where do you fall on Manny Ramirez? He obviously was basically taken out of the game for testing positive twice after penalties and a drug testing program was in place. And he said, hey, rules are rules. And I basically had my career end by an injury. Remember that slide by Machado in second base, torp his knee or, or affected his knee. And I didn't take. So when we talk about Bonds and Clemens, one angle that I would hope people at least think about is that there were players, plenty of players, who were faced with this choice and did not use 
and they were at a competitive disadvantage. Now, Bonds and Clemens obviously were guys who were at the top of the mountain and did it to get higher on that mountain, if possible, or to stay on that mountain, which is what occurred in Clemens's case. Well, there were a lot of players who qualify as collateral damage there. And there's something wrong about that. And when we just say, hey, they should be in the Hall of Fame because of their numbers, I get it. Because they're the greatest players, I do get it. But there is a lot else to consider. And again, that's all I ask. However you want to fall on it, fine. Just take into account all of these different things without dismissing them. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. I think you make some great points. And I remember when the Mitchell report came out, you saw the names of so many guys. And, and, and the one I always hit on is like, you know, Clay Hensley, who gave up Barry Bonds' 755th home run, who was not a Hall of Fame caliber player, had been suspended for performance-enhancing drugs. And I think it just tells you how widespread this was across the game. I almost empathized with guys who, who were on the fringe and, and took it more to try to stay around. And I know it wasn't morally right, but uh, I, I empathized a little bit more. Do you think that the, the writers have a responsibility to transparency? Do you think that's the way we're moving now? Most of us do release our ballots, and actually we suggested to the Hall of Fame, we proposed that all of us be required to release our ballots, and the Hall of Fame rejected that. So if you're asking a writer, for the most part, should we be transparent on this? I think the answer is yes. We ask for transparency when we report, when we talk to players. We want them to be transparent. I do think we owe not just the announcement of our ballot or the revelation of who we voted for, but also an explanation. Now, the problem is when I write my Hall of Fame column every year, I get called every name in the book. As much as I try to explain my thinking and explain that, yes, there are inconsistencies here. I understand that. And a lot of writers, because of the social media era and because of just kind of the general tenor of our times, where people with a Twitter account or a comment section on an website feel entitled to just blast away it does make it more difficult for some to be transparent i'm not saying they shouldn't be i think you should be transparent but when you have all this blowback all the time it creates a little bit different of an environment it's changed that uh, that old saying don't start fights with people who buy ink by the barrel because now now everybody's got a twitter account right yes that's true and the thing is i will take crap on twitter for any number of reasons but yeah, every time I meet a fan in person, oh, Ken, I love you. I love you. Well, yeah. Right, of course, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> we get, hey, let, listen, now, don't get me wrong. That's all part of it. That's part of my job. You got to take it. And I understand that. But all I'm saying is that for some writers, it's uncomfortable. And they don't want to be in the middle of that firestorm. And I do understand that. Yeah, I understand it too. Just a couple more for you on the way out here. Uh, just from your perspective, what is it that's keeping Kurt Schilling off? I know a lot of people will look to the... The personality probably depends on who you talk to and what you talk about, but he's the only guy outside of Roger Clemens and CeCe Sabathia who, who's not eligible yet. He'd be the only guy without 3,000 strikeouts in the hall, I believe. Your thoughts on maybe why he's been left off? Well, first of all, he was at 71% last year, okay? He's at 71% despite his offensive comments on social media, despite his points of view, despite suggesting or at least liking a tweet in which it suggested journalists should be lynched, right? So he's there. He's at 71%. He is on the doorstep. And then he opens his mouth for the 450th time and says, take me out. I don't want to be a Hall of Famer. Well, some voters said, okay, if that's his feeling, I'm not wasting one of my 10 spots on him. If he doesn't want this, I'm still going to 
vote for 10 or whatever the number might be, but I'm not going to include him. Why waste the vote? So that's why he dropped this year. He was right on the doorstep. I think he would have gotten in if he had just kept his mouth shut. I did continue to vote for him. I basically am not going to be told by Kurt Schilling what to do with my vote. And I've known Kurt Schilling since the start of his career. And I am baffled by what he has become. If this was a guy who loved baseball, loved baseball history, and I am quite certain the Hall of Fame would have meant an unbelievable amount to him, maybe even more so than the average Hall of Fame. And of course, it means a ton to all of them. So if you ask the reason, that's the reason. Not that writers don't like him. I'm sorry, 71% voted for him last year. But when he said, I want out of this process, which he was not going to get, he can't simply will himself out of the process. Well, he invited people to say no. I think he landed at, what, 58% this year, which was a significant drop. Yeah, you're right about him in the baseball history, though. I mean, I think he named his kid Garrick after Lou Garrick. He's a, he's a big baseball history guy. So, hey, Ken, man, uh, you're so generous with your time. You do such a great job. And I have not been one of those guys to come at you on Twitter. So when I say I'm a big fan and I do enjoy your work, I mean it, man. Well, Adam, hey, man, there's always a first time, so feel free. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, let's, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens the next time Bonds gets left off by the vet committee, right. man. <laughs> well, you know what? Hey. You can't yell at us anymore about that. Now you can save it for the Veterans Committee. <laughs> I'll save it for those guys. Hey, catch you later, Ken. Thanks so much. No problem, man. Thank you, guys. Oh, great stuff from Ken Rosenthal. We've been chasing him down for some time. Finally got him to come on the update and, uh, and as always, gave us good information, good stuff. The one thing we didn't get to, Jeff Ken, 377 career home runs, more than any second baseman in history. I want that guy in the hall. He, he's trending up a little bit, but I need Jeff Ken in the Hall of Fame, regardless of what you thought about him putting on the Dodger blue. I want that guy in Cooperstown. Thank you to Ken Rosenthal. Thank you to Brian Smith, my producer. And thank you to you, the listener. If you're enjoying the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe to us wherever it is and whatever platform you're listening to us. we got plenty more to get to. The NFC and AFC championships are over. Time to set our sights on the Super Bowl, and hopefully we wrap up a CBA soon and we'll have spring training right around the corner. All that in the days and weeks ahead. Until Wednesday, enjoy the week. We'll talk to you then.